You're listening to Heart Food Podcast, episode 22. Welcome to Heart Food Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Pardo, nutritional therapy practitioner and private chef. This is a show that tells you the truth about food, nutrition, movement, mental health, mindfulness, and body image, all with a hefty dose of real talk. This show will inspire you, change your mindset, and help you feel more confident and comfortable in your own skin inside and out. To find the show notes for each episode and to sign up for my weekly newsletter, visit ashleypardo.com. Find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Ashley K. Pardo. Find me on YouTube and subscribe to my YouTube channel at Ashley Pardo. If you have a question to be answered on this podcast, please email it to heartfoodpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Heart Food Podcast. Today, I'm going to be doing a Q&A episode because it's been a really long time since I've done one, and I've been getting the same question over and over and over. Really amazing questions that uh, if you just kind of look into conventional advice out there, it can be very hard to discern the answers to some of these questions. So I just wanted to go ahead and answer them for you guys and give you my best insight into these questions. And I just want to really say overall that the answer to a lot of these questions, especially when it comes to food and body or food obsession and things like that, is that there is never really one clear answer and there's never a right answer necessarily because everybody's so different. And there's always going to be an it depends sort of scenario and answer involved with each of these. I really like to take into account the history of each person um, for the more, more serious questions. But I want you to take these answers and pretty much any answer or recommendation that you hear from anybody out there with a grain of salt. My goal for you is so that is so that you can answer these questions for yourself, but before you do that, you have to build a foundation of strength and autonomy and confidence and self-esteem around food, and that comes from practice and time and mindfulness. It's not something that happens in 30 days or two weeks or seven days or even a month or or that's 30 days, but even six months sometimes. I'd say it takes about a year to really get all of this stuff really sorted out to get to that place. And obviously in the beginning, it is extremely helpful to work with somebody and I am going to be opening up a couple one-on-one coaching spots to really help you get through this stuff. There is nothing better than individualized coaching for these things. I do have my group coaching program that is going on right now, which is closed because we are halfway through and that is amazing as well. And that will be offered again in 
sometime this summer. Uh, But in the meantime, I am going to be opening up those one-on-one coaching spots. And I think really, it's so easy to go on a diet. It's so easy to just look to somebody else to just tell you what to eat, to give you a meal plan, to say like, hey, this is what you're going to have post-workout or whatever. So those things are very easy to to do and accomplish because you don't really have to think that much. You just listen to somebody else and that is much easier than figuring out the stuff for yourself or what actually works with like the way that you eat and what you eat and what you choose to uh, have in your life. So that really happens with individualized attention, individualized coaching, because everybody's so different. And I think that having somebody guide you through this is the best way that you can get to a place where you can be a hundred percent autonomous for the rest of your life with your food, but it does take education. It does take a lot of trial and error and, you know, confidence with food really, and, and with anything comes from evidence. You can't just like sit at home and not act on what you're scared of and then expect you know, you to just be confident or to feel secure around certain skills or certain things. The way, and I'm saying this because this is what I went through for so many things in my life, like in, you know, working hard and, and trying to do things with my business, with food, with dating, whatever it is, building confidence comes from you being scared And then doing it anyway, because it's a fallacy that that fear is going to go away. So I want you to be able to do things despite your fear and bring that fear along with you as you do it. So then you can show yourself that you actually can trust yourself, that you actually can do these things. And along the way, as you practice these things, you might like slip up or whatever. I don't even like to add a negative connotation to it because nothing is negative. We either like succeed or we learn. So there isn't a failure. And with food, like how many times do we say horrible things to ourselves because of the way that we eat? So I want you to give yourself a body of evidence that you are somebody who can be trusted by yourself, somebody who can choose what they eat, somebody who can reach their goals. But in order to do that, you need to put yourself in the situations that really scare you, things that take you out of your comfort zone. And I really want that for you. And so let me know if you are interested in that. It's going to be opening up in the next few weeks or so. Also in April and May, I am going to be releasing something in terms of like how to cook and prepare your food, not in a meal prep fashion, because I'm really not a fan of spending seven hours in the kitchen and then eating out of Tupperwares. That's totally fine if you like that. But I'm a person that, you know, whose mood changes every day based on like what I feel like, what I want to eat. And like, I can't do that planning like that to say like, oh, tomorrow for lunch, I'm going to want this. So I kind of do a batch cooking type thing where I cook a little bit, uh, maybe 
one or two hours on the weekend and then take that and turn it into a bunch of meals. So, you know, the program is going to be cooking to reach your goals while being super happy and in love with the food that you eat, which is like, can you get any better than that? I don't think so. So, uh, it's not like quote unquote diet food, whatever that means. Uh, but this is really delicious stuff and I'm going to be releasing some sort of free program about it. So I want you guys to stay posted on that for the next couple months and the coaching program. Uh, I will release the information shortly in the next few weeks and months. So just stay tuned. So let's get right into the questions. I'm going to try to answer five questions today. You guys know I talk a lot, so I'm going to try to keep it short and sweet so you can take these answers and apply them into your own lives. Question I've been getting a lot lately is, should I do a Whole30? And I personally love the Whole30. The Whole30 really changed my life. I And paleo overall, a lot of you know that I am gluten-free and dairy-free. Uh, I do eat butter. That's really the only dairy that doesn't bother me, like a really high quality butter, uh, grass fed. And, but otherwise that's pretty much how I stick to eating like 95% of the time and pretty much grain free as well. I'm somebody who grew up with lots of digestive issues and always felt bloated. And I do want to be talking more about digestion because I think people walk around bloated all the time and they don't realize that you don't have to feel that way. And that's how I was too. Like literally I wouldn't go to the bathroom for like nine days at a time sometime. And back then when I was drinking a lot of alcohol and just, you can imagine, I mean, hello, nine days, imagine how shitty that feels. Uh, but I didn't know that I could do something about it with the way that I ate. Like I thought I could take like fiber powder or fiber pills and eat fiber one bars. And little did I know that those things were actually disrupting the lining of my stomach. So once I did a whole 30 and transitioned over to paleo, my life totally changed. And I really feel like I got my physical life back. Like I could actually be willing to feel at home in my body because I felt so amazing. And the first time I did a whole 30 was probably five years ago. And the first time I did it, I definitely went into like a little bit of orthorexia where I like wanted to do a whole 365. And that is not the intention. I definitely became obsessive about the way that I wanted to feel and really being super restrictive with my eating. And it's not good. It wasn't good back then. Um, but through time, definitely through the last like four years or so, I do keep a Whole30 diet for the most part or just a Whole30 way of eating. It's not restrictive to me. It's just what works for me, what makes me feel my best. And I eat a lot of food. So it makes me super happy to eat this way because I feel awesome. And then, you know, when things come up in life, like a celebration, or I just feel like eating something, I just do it and I move on. I don't make a big deal out of it. And I just go right back into eating that way for the most part until something else comes along that I see is worth it or that, you know, if I feel like eating something, it's really not a big deal to veer away from it. I don't think of it like that anymore. 
But if you are, that's kind of my quick history. I do have a whole blog post about it on my site, which I will recap it kind of, or which I will post in the show notes. It kind of recaps all my Whole30 experiences, general consensus overall. I have not done one in a really long time just because I feel like I'm in my food freedom state and I've been here for a long time. So I don't feel the need to like limit the sugar I'm eating and like some breakfast sausage, or if I want to have like I'm really into the ginger chews by the ginger people. Uh, If I want to have one of those, like those are just part of my life. It's really no big deal to have those small amounts of added sugar or even the butter or whatever. So like I've kind of tailored things to my own uh, style of eating based on like how I feel satisfied and what makes me feel good and eating for my goals, obviously, which right now is just to kind of like maintain where I'm at and But if you are thinking of doing one, first I would ask you if you have any history of eating disorders or disordered eating whatsoever. And if you do, or if you are, well, first let me talk about this, then I would not suggest doing it without the help of a counselor. So if you want to do this, maybe seek out a counselor that can help you, uh, a nutritionist, maybe like me, that can uh, help you go through this and then make sure that you are coming at it from a perspective of wanting to feel good. I think it's really important to have that intention, which I will talk about in a second. Uh, But if you have a history of eating disorders, this can be extremely triggering. It does exclude a bunch of stuff uh, because science and because... uh, some of these foods can be very inflammatory to the body. and But for somebody with a history of eating disorders, that is, again, extremely triggering and it can send you potentially down a bad path. So that's just a disclaimer right there. Either don't do it or work with somebody. Um, the next thing I would say is like, what's the intention behind doing it? Is it like, do you think that you're going to lose weight? Do you think that you are trying to do another diet? Are you intentionally trying to be restrictive and deprive yourself and control your food? In that sense, I would try to reevaluate the intention because you're going to bring that energy, that kind of like desperate energy and that like rushy energy and that forcing energy to the entire month. And I would just really reevaluate that intention and just say like, okay, this is why I want to do it. And this is not going to make it sustainable for me. And the program is not going to do what it's intended to do, which is to just make you feel awesome by default. And yeah, so I would just reevaluate that intention. Now, if you're doing it because you are generally curious about an elimination diet, which is what the whole 30 is, um, then, you know, I think that for some people, especially if you're experiencing symptoms, things like bloating and brain fog, fatigue, lethargy, like some mental health stuff. Like if you're feeling overly anxious or depressed and you generally just don't feel good in your body, you're lagging, you have stomach stuff going on, maybe like some acid reflux and heartburn, and you don't know what is causing it, guys, food can cause this stuff. Uh, big time for a lot of people. I cannot even tell you the change that I went through internally. Uh, It was remarkable. And that's an understatement. Like, I don't know a better word to describe how I felt at the end. 
But if you are generally curious about the foods that work for you, you're feeling bothered in some sense in like your physical body, uncomfortable, if you generally just want to feel awesome and you kind of want to get your palate uh, re... Oh my God, what's that word? You want to uh, reset. (laughs) That's like super easy word. You want to reset your palate. Like right now, maybe you're craving a lot of sugar. Uh, then I think those are great intentions. And I think the Whole30 can be an amazing tool for all of those things. But I would, again, ask about your eating disorders, ask about your intention and see what is your goal with the program. I know that for a lot of people, it does provide weight loss. Um, They have all of their information on Whole30.com. The program is free. They also have lots of books. And just to quickly go over what it is. I should have said that at the beginning, but it is a period of 30 days where you only eat animal protein, seafood, eggs, fruits, veggies, nuts, uh, coconut, healthy fat, things like coconut oil and clarified butter, which is ghee. Uh, You can eat potatoes. So like you can be really fed in that realm with just those foods and it's delicious. You're going to be avoiding alcohol, added sugar, uh, all grains, including gluten grains. So like rice and oatmeal and like corn even because corn's not a vegetable, uh, dairy, soy legumes. So no chickpeas or beans or anything like that. And I think that is it. Uh, I will put it in the show notes again. Uh, So yeah, it can be a great tool, but just check yourself. The next thing is, the next question is, how do I begin to be mindful with food? And mindfulness is something that I talk about that it's not really something that you do. It's something that you bring, like a new dimension that you bring into your everyday life that is kind of there most of the time. With mindfulness, it's just basically paying attention to the present moment without judgment. So like you just kind of are present with whatever's going on and you don't judge it. Super simple, super hard to do, uh, but that's why it takes practice. And it just kind of creates this new layer in your life where you're able to like observe what you're doing and observe your actions and your behaviors and your habits and why you do the things that you do, I would start reading in general mindfulness instead of going into mindful eating right off of the bat, because just reading about mindfulness in general will give you a lot of the information that you can apply to the areas of food that you are needing attention in. So I really love the work of Tara Brock. She has a podcast. She also has a book called Radical Acceptance. I really also love John Kabat-Zinn. He has some amazing books on mindfulness, which I will put in the show notes. And also Eckhart Tolle has really good books too. You know, he has his book, The Power of Now, which is really just that same thing uh, of mindfulness, which is just being in the now, the present moment. So I really love those people. Oh, and also I can't believe I forgot her. She's probably my favorite one is uh, Pima Chodron um, and or Pema Chodron. She is amazing. She is a woman that writes a lot about mindfulness and about being comfortable in discomfort. Her books, uh, The Places That Scare You, 
uh, is re- that book is amazing. She has a lot of other ones, but I will link them in the show notes. So you guys have lots of selection in there on how to read about it. And I do have some blog articles on my blog as well that I will link. Next question that I got is food shopping on a budget. And this is a big one because once you kind of switch over to eating real food, it can be very difficult to stay on a budget if you do not plan because things are pricier. But the way that I see it is that by preparing these foods and really prioritizing high quality foods, you're making an investment in your health, which means that you won't have to spend as much on your doctor's bills. You won't have to buy, you know, a bunch of medications or supplements or things like that. This is an investment in yourself and it not only makes you feel so good in your body, but also in your brain. So like you feel good and productive and awesome and that is priceless to me. So spending a little bit more money on food is totally okay with me, but I do understand. But at the same time, I also try to keep a budget as well, obviously. Um, So I do some things that allow me to kind of just be really mindful again of what I am spending and um, just to be sure that I am allocating my dollars appropriately because especially with food, especially if you shop at like Whole Foods or something, it can get really expensive, really. I mean, sometimes you go to Whole Foods to get like three ingredients and you spend a hundred dollars, um, which is crazy. And that's not always how I shop at all. Uh, I definitely try to be economical, but the first thing that I would say that's really important is to make a overall plan of what you're going to eat that week that way. And to make lists before you go to the grocery store, or if you do something like Instacart, which I love, I'm a huge fan of Instacart, uh, make a list of what you're going to get and then stick to that list. I mean, obviously you don't have to be like super drill sergeant about it, you know, but try to stick to that list as much as you can based off of the planning that you do and try to cook really simply. Some of these ingredients, especially like if you're in the Whole30 world and the paleo world that ask for almond, almond flour and cassava flour and tapioca starch and all these things and arrowroot, you don't really have to do that. You can just cook really simply with like citrus and herbs and olive oil and salt and pepper and spices And you can get away with a lot with just those basics. So if you invest up front and you get like good pantry staples and uh, have a general plan of what you're going to eat, that's very simple food, then you don't have to really buy that much. You can really just get, um, you know, like your veggies and your proteins and your fruits and whatever else you want. And then you can add the things that you have at home already, which are already economical. Another thing that I would recommend is buying in bulk. So maybe going to Costco and getting a bunch of stuff and stocking up that way, because then the individual price of each item will go down as you buy them in bulk. And that includes meats too. So maybe getting like ground meats, like uh, ground beef or ground turkey, getting cuts of meat like chicken thighs, which are delicious and they're cheaper than chicken breasts. Um, And then also buying locally. That really helps as well. So maybe you can go to your farmer's market or to your fish market or to... um, 
you know, somebody who supplies your meat. And usually if you buy local, it's not as expensive. And that also goes to buying in season. Things that are in season are abundant because that's why they are blooming at this time. The conditions of the earth are optimal for that specific vegetable or fruit or whatever it is. And that means that there's an abundance of it. And usually that means that it's cheaper because it needs to be sold. So really try to buy in season at your farmer's market or at your grocery store. And that means that it's going to taste better too. So it's kind of a win-win situation overall. I also recommend getting a membership at something like Thrive Market, which is an online space, uh, online website that has like a crap ton of products and foods for your healthy lifestyle. A lot of people call it like the online or like a Costco and Whole Foods had a baby and then it was like online, it would be Thrive Market. So they have so many things that are discounted. I think you have to pay some money up front, um, but you really do end up saving a lot. So just remember that it's an investment, that uh, you don't have to break the bank on it. And when it really comes down to it, If you think of all of the money that you spend on restaurants and going out to eat and on takeout and on delivery fees and stuff, and if you just spend a little bit of time cooking, which that course of mine will help you with, then it really does even out and it does really give you so much in return. Another question that I got this week, uh, actually I got it a bunch of times, was like, what do I do when I'm surrounded by a food that is triggering to me? So it might be at work or at a birthday party, like, you know, in your head that you want to feel great and that these things don't make you feel awesome. But what do you do when you're surrounded by it? And that is very hard at the onset. But my goal with all of you to kind of uh, teach you to make a mindset shift here is that like, you have to be strong enough one day eventually, you know, not all of us are there at the beginning, especially when we start out. So my goal for you would be to be able to be anywhere and to be able to trust yourself. That's really what it is here. It's an issue of self-trust and self-love. So like it would be extremely easy to just stay home all the time and not have to uh, be encountered with these things that are extremely triggering. And you know, that's easy, but like, is that, uh, a, like a wholehearted life is, you know, staying home because you feel that you can't be surrounded by certain foods. And that is really doing a disservice to yourself and to your power because you should be able, I don't want to say should, but my goal for you would be to be anywhere and be able to trust yourself so much around the food that it's like no big deal wherever you go, if you're on vacation, because like, you know how you want to feel. So the first thing that I would get clear on with this is like, how do I want to feel every single day? And are the things that I'm doing and does this specific food align with that? So like, let's say you want to feel calm and peaceful and, um, you know, like light in your body and you want to feel like not bloated and, you know, the cupcakes are there and you know that maybe they don't make you feel that great. 
they make you feel bloated. They make, they may make like your heart race or something. They make you want to eat more, which is their nature. They are a hyper palatable food. I talk about that a lot. That's a notion that came from Rob Wolf's book, Wired to Eat. So, um, which is an amazing book. And it really talks about the hyperpalatability of foods and how these foods are engineered to make us want to eat more. And what we do is that we blame ourselves for being these like undisciplined monsters that can't control ourselves around these food foods. So it really is just a biological and physiological reaction to eating it. So you can just like bring that layer of mindfulness in and say like, do I, first of all, do I actually want this thing? Like, do I actually want it? So often we just eat stuff because it's there. And side note, usually because we have told ourselves that we cannot have it. So it's like this restricted thing and, oh my God, oh my God, I can't have it. I can't have it. And then it's there and it's like, oh my God, but I want it. And it's like all of this back and forth mental energy, but we haven't even asked ourselves if we actually want this thing. The first step is allowing all foods, like really allowing all of them. And just because you allow them does not mean you need to eat it. But having that allowance of saying like, I'm an adult, I'm a competent, you know, super intelligent person who can decide for herself what she wants to eat, but every food is allowed. But within that, I make my own decisions about what I want to eat. I decide if it's worth it to me. I decide if I actually want it or not not just because it's there and because I've told myself that I can't have it. So just because we've told ourselves we can't have it can create this big tornado of, you know, mental uh, torture that we do to ourselves. So like, ask yourself if you actually want it, ask yourself, it's like, if it's really aligned with the way that you want to feel, and then ask yourself if it's worth it. A lot of times now, most of the things that I eat that are maybe outside of the way that I usually eat are super special. So like, I'm not going to eat like a store-bought cupcake unless it's like an amazing cupcake. So I'm just, you know, be really picky with the things that you want to eat. Because if you're going to eat a cupcake, for example, and it doesn't make you feel great, you better be sure that that is going to be an amazing like romantic, you know, you're going to get romantic with that cupcake, make it worth it. So you have to be really discerning and really picky about what you want to eat and what is actually worth it to you. Because foods, a lot of them, especially like sugary foods and stuff do come with, um, like physiological consequences. Like that's just a fact. I know that if I eat sugar, I just feel like crap. So it's like, a consequence and not all of you might be as sensitive as me but you need to take a step back from it ask yourself if you actually want it if it's aligned and if it is actually worth it and trust yourself trust yourself that if you eat the food that you can eat it mindfully and if you don't feel awesome after you eat it then don't judge yourself just like learn from that experience and be like, okay, I ate this thing and now I don't feel that awesome and it really wasn't that good, but now I'm going to be more discerning and that is okay. So, and that is going to be how you build the confidence and the trust in yourself. If you are around those cupcakes or whatever it is, and you 
feel that you don't really want it, but like it's there and then you eat it, then um, you might feel like you can't trust yourself. But if you are there and you tell your, you have that conversation with yourself, you're mindful and you're like, do I actually want this thing? No, I don't want it. Okay, I'm good. And then, you know, the thing can just sit there and then you leave the situation and you're like, wow, I can, I actually trust myself and I can trust myself around whatever it is, both around the food with my behavior. And then also if I actually choose to eat it, I don't have to go overboard. So those are a couple or many thoughts about that. Uh, the other question that I've been getting a lot is, People that have been eating clean for a really, really long time, you know, when I say eat clean, I mean like whole unprocessed foods and they feel that when they eat a treat, they just go overboard and because they have not had or been exposed to that something, whatever it is, they just feel like they cannot control themselves and they feel like something gets awakened in them and Whole30 actually calls this the sugar dragon that it gets awoken. And something that really helps here is Gretchen Rubin's framework of an abstainer or a moderator. An abstainer is somebody who does better if they never eat something or never expose them. Well, you will be exposed, but if you choose not to engage with a certain thing ever, and then a moderator is somebody that can have it from time to time. And that actually, well, for both of them operating in that mentality for each person, um, really allows you to, um, do the thing that works for you. And it allows you to be okay and happy with those decisions. So that is something that is very important. And I would ask yourself at the same time, like sometimes we obsess over it because we have told ourselves that we cannot have it. And a simple mind shift can take place there because you can say, I allow everything, but I choose not to eat or eat certain things because I want to feel a certain way and I don't want to get wrapped up in that addictive, I don't want to say addictive, um, that, you know, I don't want to begin to eat the sugar because I just know I'm going to want to eat more. So it's like, am I willing to put myself through that right now? And you can actually have like these little mini conversations with yourself and get to know who you are, how you operate, and what style of eating works best for you. So we got through the five questions. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Please reach out to me and let me know if these Q&A episodes are working for you. I would love to hear from you. And you can always, like I said in the beginning, send an email to heartfoodpodcast at gmail.com if you have any other questions. But in the meantime, we will be back next week with some more interviews and I can't wait to talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to Heart Food Podcast. To find the show notes for this episode, visit ashleypardo.com. Follow Ashley on social media at Ashley K. Pardo. If you enjoy the show, please share it with your family and friends. And give us some love by subscribing and leaving a five-star rating and review on iTunes.